Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Evan, you're being recorded, video and audio. I love it. And uh, you're, I, you're, I might need to consult with my attorney, Fat Man, but yeah, we can <laughs> we can run it for now. And your biomechanical data too. I'm picking all that stuff off your Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Yo, what is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner, and I am excited to have back on the show for the 3,000th time. It's the homie. You know him as Evan M. It's Evan McCarthy. Evan, what's up, dude? Hell yeah, man. Not a lot. Just uh, hanging out down here in New Orleans right now where it's like unseasonably, unseasonally uh, cold right now. How cold really is it? It's really chilly. Uh, it's been like in the 40s. It dipped in the 30s a couple nights ago, which is very cold for New Orleans. I know, I think last year at this time we were in the 70s. So, um, you know, I got to break out my Portland wear, uh, my <laughs> hoodies, my beanie. I've been wearing a lot of beanies lately when I walk Fat Man. Um, so, yeah, it's been chilly, but I've been doing well. How many of those hoodies made the trip from Portland to New Orleans? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. And, you know, I had visited New Orleans many times before I moved here, so I knew how hot it gets. For, like, nine months of the year, it's very warm. There's, like, four months where it's... People will say it's unbearable. Like, it's a humidity where it feels 115 degrees. Um, I've gotten used to it. But, yeah, you know, there there's a stretch where I can throw in the hoodies. The thing is, my body is acclimated to the shift in, like, average temperature. So now right. when it when it dips below 70 down here, I am cold and I will throw a hoodie on because it is, in my mind, cold. Oh, you're turning so. into one of those. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, we've had the, here in Portland, we've been having that East Gorge wind whipping in. Oh. So it's been, it's been chilly, man. Like, I went out on a run today um, and I didn't have any clean tights. And so I wore, like, just, like, soccer socks and just the part of my leg between my shorts and the soccer socks we're getting we're getting frozen out there um but that's not why we're here to talk we're here to talk blazers i wanted to start evan getting your thoughts on the blazers off-season moves there were quite a few of them you know they signed or they traded for robert covington probably the most important move they signed Derek jones jr they traded for Ennis Cantor. Welcome back, Ennis. Uh, they re-signed Carmelo Anthony and Rodney Hood, and we're going to talk about Melo a little bit more later. Um, and then they also signed Harry Giles. So let me put it this way. I know we've had like a couple days or you know over a week to kind of think about all these moves in their totality. Um, kind of what do you think about the moves the Blazers made? And specifically, I'm curious to hear whether you think this makes Neil Olshay's tenure in Portland to look a little bit better because of his moves? Like, does this raise his profile to you uh, because of how he treated this offseason or not? So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Sure. I mean, if you look at the moves that in a vacuum that were made this offseason, they're good. They are good. Um, when, if you look at, if you take a step back and look at what happened last offseason, I mean, let's be for real. Last offseason, uh, Neil O'Shea acquired uh, Hassan Whiteside, Mario Hazonia, Anthony Tolliver, Kent Bazemore, Pal Gasol. There's those, and, and then oh man, I Neil, forgot about Pal. I totally forgot Pal about Gasol. <laughs> and then Neil, shortly after that, had the audacity to say it was the deepest roster that is the Blazers have had in his tenure, which is mind-boggling. Because now you look at today, not one of those guys is on this team. So one year later, we go from. A Western Conference Finals appearance to letting go a handful of guys that really contributed, including Ennis Cantor, uh, Mo, Aminu, Seth Curry, all those guys, Evan Turner. Bringing in the guys I just mentioned, 
And none of those guys are on this team anymore. None. So when you look at like from last offseason to this offseason, it's it is night and day for sure. The bar granted was laying on the ground to, to get over to hurdle. <laughs> um, I was telling my friend this the other day, hey, look, any offseason where you go from uh, a year where Mario Hazonia is playing meaningful minutes to then him no longer being on your team. That's a good start. It's a really good start. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because I was one of those people who I, I'm not going to say I was like a believer in Mario Hazonia as like a big impact player, but I thought maybe, hey, another Terry Stotts reclamation project, right? And kind of the same thing with Kent Bazemore. And I mean, I think it like the, the big difference between last season and this season is that last season there was a version of like every player that they got best case scenario, best case scenario, best case scenario that in its totality signaled a decent off season. I think the moves this off season, the floor is a lot higher. You know what you're getting with Robert Covington. You know what you're getting with Ennis Cantor. He's been here before, right? You know what you're getting mm-hmm. when you resign Mello and Rodney hood. I mean, minus whatever athleticism may have waned because of the Achilles injury. Derek Jones Jr. maybe a little bit more of a question mark, but he played solid rotation minutes during the regular season, which you're going to need, you know, in, in a season that's truncated that you're playing so many games so quickly. Um, Harry Giles is a question mark, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm just like, does your opinion, I'm just going to hammer you on this. Does your opinion of Neil Olshay, has it changed at all because of this offseason? Yes or no? Um, I mean, I am happy with what he did and I think he deserves credit. Do you love Neil Olshay now? Are you his best friend? No, 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 no. Because look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we talk about it all the time. Uh, Go back and look at the last 20 years in regards to teams that have won championships. There's been like one team that has won a championship with one all-star, like the 2011 Mavericks. You need two all-star level players to win a title. Um, We have Damian Lillard and that's it. So that still hasn't been addressed. Uh, but he's done that being said, like he, he filled holes in our, you know, especially our perimeter defense, which was terrible. Um, so he helped out with that, with the, the acquisitions he made. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I hate that we always talk about is let's hope that these guys are healthy, knock on wood. Um, so no, I don't, I don't love Neil Shea. It's, I think he's done better. (laughs) I think he's yeah. done better. I'm, I think that if there were other circumstances, uh, a lot of people wouldn't, he wouldn't have a job uh, here. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I think that's true. I think he's gotten a pretty long leash. I mean, for me, I definitely think I, I, my view of him is more positive after this series of moves. I, I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do much of anything this offseason. And he, I thought, I think he's pulled multiple rabbits out of a, a pretty small hat. So I want to give him credit where it's due. Um, And we will talk more about the Blazers construction as it compares to the rest of the West. Not that we need to know every single team, um, you know, with a photographic memory, but just a a thing that's going to come up again later is again, this is a 72 game season. We're talking about because of COVID the games are so compressed. The schedule is so compressed. The, 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 the teams that have depth, that's going to help them disproportionately more in this regular season than in most, I think, because of that schedule. Because you're going to see 
people are, are going to get the, they're going to get sick, right? Like the the vaccines that are being approved for COVID, they're not going to be available to people outside of the medical community and vulnerable populations for at least a couple months. I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised if NBA players were pretty far ahead of the line in getting those vaccines. And that's a debate for a different day. But um, my point is, I think depth will be important. And I think the Blazers, I think this is probably one of the deepest teams they've had in Damian Lillard's tenure. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's my that's my opinion. I Yeah, no, I totally do. I mean, I think it's interesting because Dame has uh, gone through many different iterations of rosters during his time. When he first was a rookie, that starting lineup of him, Wes, Nick, LaMarcus, and Lopez was one of the best starting lineups in the NBA before Wesley Matthews got hurt. For sure. Uh, conversely, the bench was one of the worst benches in the NBA at that time. Um, and then we went from that into uh, blowing up that team, Neil putting together a roster that pretty much looked like we wanted to tank for uh, to get a lottery pick. I remember ESPN had us that one year like projected to win in the low 20s, and uh, we ended up not only making the playoffs, but I believe beating the Clippers in the first round with a team that no one thought was going to make the playoffs. Um, and then since then, Neil trying to like – Obviously, the summer of 2016, where uh, I think he was naive to think that he could convince anyone to come here. He freaked out, uh, overpaid a few players, and and now, like, we're here. Like, we're finally completely removed from 2016. Like, there's really – I don't think there's anything on this roster to show for 2016 anymore. I guess uh, – We have some stretch contracts say, still on the books, I think. Well, ironically, the whoever Ariza, because Ariza was part of a trade that was, or not even that. No, yeah. So it's it's crazy. I, I'm trying to uh, yeah. No, your backwards. point's well taken. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah. I mean, it's. I think this roster is in a better shape. Uh, I wish uh, we would have focused a little bit more on a backup ball handler. I know that our front court is stacked, and we've got a lot of guys that are ready to play in the front court, but. When you've got Damon CJ, who were first and second in the league last year in minutes played per game, uh, and then you're coming into a short turnaround into a condensed season, um, that's a little scary because those guys are going to have to play. I'm sorry, I, Neil can say whatever he wants. Anthony Simons at this point in his career is not a backup point guard. He just isn't. Um, that's so I'm the, nervous. To, yeah. I, that's the one thing that concerns me too. And I, I get that they want him to develop and they want to show they have confidence in him, but I again, when depth is so important and you know that like CJ and Dame, they might be injured for a second or two, or, you know, Anthony Simons might get, somebody else might get injured. You have to rotate people around to fill the gaps. COVID. COVID. Yeah. I think that, I think that's an oversight, but, um, all right. Well, moving from the roster to the more, uh, stylistic and artistic, the Blazers have released some new jerseys and I forget, I should have had this in my notes. Is it the city edition? Is it the, I forget what they're calling them, uh, but they're new. <laughs> they're new jerseys, and they're a departure from anything the Blazers have had before. Um, not that they're all that extreme, but they're they're black jerseys. They say Oregon in kind of a scripted font that's sort of the same as the the made in Oregon sign with the you know the deer flying. You know, it's in downtown Portland, and so they're black. And on the side, they have these kind of multicolored red and and a little bit of blue and some orange striping that's a nod both to our tribal communities and to kind of the landscape throughout Oregon that incorporates the Willamette River and and some of Eastern Oregon and the Painted Hills and stuff. So um, 
Yeah, I'm just curious, like, what's your reaction? Like, I, I get that, like, uh, Nike is pumping out different versions of jerseys every year for all 30 teams. It's a great way to make money. You know, kudos to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any thoughts on these these new jerseys? Are you going to cop one, I guess, is really the real question. Yeah, so, no, I always I have kind of two takes on this. And it's funny because how this always works, especially in the Twitter world, and especially when we all should be uh, – quarantining or hanging out in our house more because of given the time we're in is that everything that's posted on Twitter has got to be a quick hot take debate, which is funny. And I'm guilty oh, yeah. of this more than anyone, more than anyone. Um, so my, my feelings on the jerseys are, I saw, I didn't like, I don't like them. I will not be buying one. Um, but like, I saw a lot of people that did. And like, my thing is like, I'm pumped for fans to have another thing that they can purchase that they like to support the blazer. So I'm happy for that. And then, like, shout out to Nike for, like, you're going to save me 120 bucks because I saw that. And I'm just instantly was like, <laughs> I, I will not be buying that. So you're saving me 120 bucks. There, there's no mental gymnastics or, uh, you know, I, there's no debate in my head. I saw them and I'm like, nope, not doing that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, dude, people like them. Great. Like, go buy them. Go nuts. That's cool. Like, good for them. Yeah, and it is. So I've confirmed it's the city edition. Um, and I'm trying to look at what last year's city edition was that that white cream colored um jersey with the red rip city kind of classic mm -hmm. font that is something i did cop i mean i really like yeah that those one. are nice those, those are, are super dope. super clean um i have a mccollum one but yeah these new ones you know you'd said something too on twitter it wasn't about the jersey but it was about the the script that's being used it's like a hoodie version of the jersey what was it that you said that it looked like somebody who was like panicking to get a Christmas gift would buy for his kids or something. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I said, this is a type of, this is a type of hoodie that a dad frantically buys at the airport when he remembers <laughs> that he promised he would buy his kids something during his stay in Portland. And, uh, he's trying to catch his flight and he just runs into one of the made in Oregon stores. And it's like, cool, I'll just buy this hoodie real quick. Um, uh that is kind of how it feels. And like, I get there's a balance when you're doing this and look, I can't design jerseys. Like I'm not saying I could do any better. I obviously couldn't, but it, you're trying to balance kind of the history and legacy of the team. And what are the different fonts they've used in styles and colors, balancing that with creating something new. And so I appreciate look that they've never had like using these kind of reds and, and oranges and um, they've never done that before. And I think kudos to them for, for trying, frankly, I really like the contrast of bright colors against black, I think works really, really well. So conceptually, I, I kind of like where they were leaning with this, but it's actually just not quite bold enough for me. Cause when you look at it dead on either from the front or the back, it just looks like a black Jersey, right? It's only from that one side that you get any color really. So yeah. Yeah. And like, and this is, this is the problem you're going to run into. I mean, Nike is being tasked to come up with new city jerseys every single year for every team. Like you're going to have a lot of misses, a lot of misses. Yeah. And, uh, not, I mean, outside of the blazers, I, I finally saw like a graphic that had all 30 and like, I think some are really cool. I think more of them are not great. Um, were there any that jumped out at you as like being particularly good looking? Um, I mean, I loved the Phoenix ones. I think the Miami ones are pretty cool. Uh, the Atlanta Ooh, yeah. ones that, yeah, the Atlanta ones that honor MLK, I think are awesome. Um, oh, the Spurs, the Spurs, because they brought back the Fiesta colors, the pink. Oh, yeah. 
the bright pink, the green, and the the teal and the orange, I think, are fantastic. And that was something um, they had in their in, on their warmups in the early '90s, right? And I think they've they've also now put that on their court for this year. I think it's on the perimeter of their court too, which is really neat. Um, the one that bugs me the most is Golden State. They're leaving oh. the city of Oakland because they built a new arena in the Bay in San Francisco. And I think the team was suing the city of Oakland so they didn't have to pay like back arena taxes. But then they're like, oh, but don't worry. We're going to pay homage to you guys by putting Oakland and doing the We Believe Warriors font on our jersey. It's like talk about a slap. And I have friends in Oakland. I've in uh, my buddy Ben, who is on Twitter. Um, he's he's from Oakland, then moved up the port for a little bit, but now back in Oakland. And I asked him, he's like, oh, it's a total betrayal. Like, this is insane. Yeah, I, I actually appreciated the someone took that mock up and replaced the Oakland with the word gentrify, which mm-hmm. I think sums it up pretty nicely. Yeah, I think it's it's really sad when it's like the team wants to continue profiting and making money off of something where they have not treated that city particularly well. And yeah, they're taking all of that in potential investment and all that revenue and, and taking it into San Francisco. Um, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. All right, well, let's let's zoom out and let's look at the Blazers in the context of the rest of the Western Conference. Um, there have been, you know, now that the season is about getting ready to go, there have been plenty of predictions and plenty of news outlets coming up with their thoughts on where the Eastern and Western Conferences will shake out. I want to point out a, a couple of those predictions, one from ESPN and one from CBS. I'll start with the CBS one. Has the Blazers finishing in sixth in the West behind the Lakers and Clippers and also behind the Nuggets, Mavericks, and Jazz? Um, CBS also has the Blazers winning uh, 40 and a half games. Again, this is in a 72-game season, so that that 40.5 games would be a 46-game equivalent in a normal 82-game season. So that's CBS has it having the Blazers at sixth. ESPN, on the other hand, has the Blazers finishing out of the playoffs behind the Lakers and Clippers and Rockets and Jazz and Nuggets and Mavericks and Pelicans and Suns. And I just wanted to get your reaction again. Like, I mean, that's what we're here. We're here for the reactions, right? Um, now, th- granted, this is from uh, Kevin Pelton's calculus. It's kind of, you know, running through the computer, all the strength of schedule and, and who's on the roster and all this stuff and trying to figure out who's playing how many minutes. And he did say that the gap between the second seed and the ninth seed in this ESPN projection is only three and a half games. So maybe leading with the Blazers are going to finish ninth according to ESPN isn't completely fair, but I'm just curious, like do either of those sound right to you? Like, do you think the Blazers are going to finish about sixth? Do you think it's possible they could finish out of the playoffs? Like what's, when you hear that kind of what's your, what are the thoughts running through your head on that? Yeah, for sure. And I saw when the Eastman posted that, that um, a lot of, you know, again, a lot of people on the internet responded, but remember nine is in the playoffs because we have the playing game. So oh, that's true. So seven, eight, nine, ten. And from what I understand, I remember last year in the bubble, you had to be within a certain amount of games uh, in record wise to play in that. But from what I understand, seven, eight, nine, ten, regardless of how far back you are, like those playing tournaments are happening, which is I love it. Can't wait for it. Um, good but I think I think um, I think that the Lakers are clearly 
the favorite in the West. They should be clearly favored number one. Yes, they won the championship last year and they got better. Their team is now better than they were. They should be. Um, in a, they should be in a tier by themselves in the Western Conference, in my view. I agree, and I think the Clippers are too. It's the stuff that came out more recently is interesting. I still think they're number two. I think three, four, five, and six, which are uh, Denver, Utah, Portland, and Dallas. I think those. Four, I think it's it's tough to definitively place those four between three, four, five, six, th- uh, three and seven. I guess right. Three, four, five, six, three and six. Between three and six, I think that it's that chunk, that tier of teams. So I think the Blazers were, were going to finish between third and six. Um, I think I predicted the other day that they would be 42 and 30 and would be fourth in the West. Um, I think outside of that, I'd like the Rockets after trading Westbrook. uh, I think the Rockets are going to trade Harden sooner than we think. So I don't think that they're going to be a factor at all. I I don't, uh, you know, I'm in New Orleans and Graham, you know, I, I know a few people down here, not a ton, but I still think people down here think that. Uh, the playoffs are nowhere near guaranteed and they're more looking to just help develop their young guys. Um, Phoenix got better, obviously. Um, I mean, the only two teams in the West really that aren't going to be trying to make the playoffs are Minnesota and Sacramento. It looks like, um, cause the warriors, even though with clay hurt, they're still going to be, you know, in the bottom half of the playoffs, presumably. So, yeah, yeah I, I think th- three to six, I think, is about accurate. I, I will just say I I'm a little iffy on the Clippers. I mean, especially these stories coming out about their chemistry and how Kawhi Leonard could dictate whether or not practices happened and they would hold up the team plane if he was late. Um, you know, I I'm not so sure. Like, I, I and I don't mean to take that second round series where they blew a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets. And by the way, in that game where they were up 3-1, they were up by like 20 points at the end of the third. So, I mean, they really blew it. Um, I think that there is something about that team, about how it's constructed, the personality of Kawhi Leonard, the personality of, of Paul George, who, by the way, just threw Doc Rivers under the bus, basically blaming his poor play on him not being utilized correctly and not you know, getting enough pick and rolls, except for he had more pick and roll opportunities this year than in any year in his career. So I guess my point is like the Clippers are really, really talented. I, I think that there's just something not quite right about that team, and I'm not sure if Ty Lu as their new coach is going to solve all of that. So like to me, like in, in CBS's ratings, they had the Lakers and Clippers separated by a half game. I don't see it that way. I see the Clippers as probably being near the top of a second tier in the Western conference. So I have the Lakers kind of off by themselves on their own planet. Cause like you said, they won the championship and they got better. And then I see like kind of a second tier that includes the Clippers that includes the Blazers and the Nuggets um, and the Jazz and the, and the Mavericks. Um, and then you kind of have like a third tier and depending on what happens with the Rockets. But anyway, all this is just to say, like, I guess for me, I do see there's not a ton of room for error. Like as good as you may think the Blazers are, they're only one, you know, 20 game Damian Lillard absence away from not really having a way to win games during the regular season. Right. And this goes back to what mm-hmm. we we're talking about with them not having a backup point guard because then you have CJ running the point. And so then who's soaking up all your, you know, shooting guard minutes and you're asking a lot of Anthony Simons. And so um, let me ask it this way 
Do you think that it's more likely that the Blazers would finish second or that the Blazers would finish ninth? Which of those two do you think is more likely? That is a great question. Um, Took me all day to think about it. God damn. I mean, if we're assuming, if, if we're presuming that the, if they stay healthy, I would say closer. And I'm not like, I'm not like this crazy blazer homer, but I, I find it hard to believe because the blazers, I think, I think the teams are going to benefit the most are teams that didn't shake up a major part of their core and are bringing back the same coaching staff and have the same management. I think that's going to benefit. Those teams are going to benefit the most. So the Blazers didn't shake up their core at all with between Dame, CJ, and Nurk. Rodney Hood will be coming back more healthy. Zach, he doesn't really play that much anyways, but he'll be healthy at some point. Mello, who played almost the entire year last year, is back. Um, I think if assuming healthy, I find it hard to believe that the Blazers would finish ninth. I think they'd be higher, like, you know, up in the upper half versus the bottom half of the West in the playoff picture. I think that's a very political and safe answer of you, Mr. McCarthy. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I, I tend to, I I would say, I think it's more likely they finish second. And I think part of when you start looking at, like I created this Excel spreadsheet, trying to move around all the Blazers minutes, like who plays how many minutes at what position, their depth is going to be really important. Like we were talking about earlier with COVID, with the compressed schedule, I think the Blazers are, I think they're well suited to survive the regular season. Whether or not that translates into playoff success is a different story. I think there are teams that have a better seven or eight person rotation than the Blazers do, but the Blazers can run like 11 deep with players who can actually play real minutes, right? Without dipping into the Hazonias of the world. So that's, I think the Blazers will be more resilient. I think they can withstand injuries a little bit better than some teams. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. It's hard to look. We can't, we can't, there's no crystal ball. You can't look into the future, right? Like injuries can happen. Teams get hot. You just don't know. It's tough. Um, all right. Well, I wanted to talk really quick about Carmelo Anthony because he was, you know, Neil Olshay called that the most important signing of the off season, which I think is going a little far, um, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, but there was something that came out today that I thought was a little odd from the Trailblazers reporter Casey Holdall um, reporting that Carmelo Anthony has said that he is, quote, swallowing that pill, end quote, with regard to his new role with the Blazers. Do, is that concerning to you? Does that make the hackles on your neck stand up at all to hear Carm- Carmelo Anthony saying that he's still trying to work through what his 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 de- more diminished role might be? No, not really. I mean, he signed a one-year deal, so we're, it's not like we're on the hook for anything crazy. And um, I think that Carmelo is pretty mindful of his legacy, and, and that's, I think, why he's still playing and why he's still playing in Portland, because as opposed to his stints in OKC in Houston where it didn't work out at all. Um, it did, I mean, and, and I think what happened in OKC in Houston was they brought him in and tried to pigeonhole him into a certain role that he wasn't used to playing and didn't want to play versus in Portland when we brought him in, we, we didn't have the luxury of telling him how to play because we needed him to start right away. It wasn't like, a, oh, we'll let you start. It's like, oh, no, if you don't, then we need to play Mario Hazonia more. So, no, you can play and do your thing. Um, and I think that after that, he was 
like he talked about how he wanted to be loyal to the Blazers and there was honesty back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, he could say this now and say it's a pill to swallow. He, it might just be him saying, like, look at how grown and mature I am. Like, I'm going to accept this role. But I don't see, like, there's any weird thing midseason where he there's rumblings that he's unhappy and he wants out. I just don't see it happening. Again, the Blazers could just cut ties with him and then that's going to harm his legacy, which I don't think he wants. And maybe I'm just overanalyzing it, but like, I guess I had just assumed that he had already talked to Neil Olshay and Terry Stotts about what his role would be before he signed again for this year. And so maybe I'm just overanalyzing. Who knows? I just think it's odd that he wouldn't, I just, why would he even say that? Like, why wouldn't he just be like, Oh yeah, like I'm coming back, like ready to do whatever the team needs, you know, like platitude, platitude, the fact that he said that he's still swallowing that pill, like it just makes me think like, what, did he, was there a miscommunication between him and Olshay about what his role would be? And then he heard Olshay talking about how he was probably going to come off the bench and he didn't realize it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. cause the biggest thing about him coming back is that I had assumed, like you said, that Mello and the team were like super honest with each other and, and on the same page. This makes me kind of wonder whether I should feel that so strongly, but then again, well, maybe it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the hood signing, the Derek Jones signing and the Roco trade all happened before Mello signed. Right. Yep. Yep. It did. So he had to have known like him and his agent have to have known like, I mean, granted, not all those guys play the same position, but they are wing players. So it's like, all right, well, I mean, I was more, and I was shocked. I'm, I'm not shocked about Melo coming off the bench. I think it makes sense. Um, but I was kind of shocked when I, I heard, was it Olshay or Stott say that it looks like Derek Jones Jr. is going to start the season, which is interesting. Maybe because Hood's not ready. Like, or Hood's yeah. ready, but like he'll be on a restriction or whatever. But um, Which makes I think sense if he's coming off an fine. Achilles, right? Like, that takes time. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, going back to Melo, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, I think, you know, it's just media day, and he's just trying to say, again, I think he might, in his mind, be like, oh, this is showing, I'm going to play it up like this is a lot harder of a decision for me than it was. Um, just That's to, like, show point. maturity, like, to show it's mature, like, I'm mature, I'm a changed man, right? That's a good this point, is, yeah. This is the same guy who was it in OKC when... Uh, after he signed with OKC, uh, the reporter was like, are you cool coming off the bench? And he's like, me? He's like, are you talk like me? You're referring to me coming off the bench? What? AP, they said I'm going to come off the bench talking to Paul George. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think that I appreciate, I'm glad I got to ask you about it because I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think that could very well be what it is. And look, like just a caveat, as I am sitting here in my little podcaster's chair, these players have to talk to media so much. They're, you know, they're already sick of talk. I mean, imagine having to go to work and before you go to work and after you're done with work, you're like talking about what you did and how you did it. Man, that would get old pretty fast. And like, I guess, uh, you know, overanalyzing everything a player says, we should be mindful of that as I am overanalyzing everything he says. So um, shame on me, I guess. Uh, one more thing about Mello. Something else that came out today was that he is interested in being allowed to wear the number seven. He wore double zero last year. Uh, number seven was Brandon Roy's number. It is not yet retired by the team. Uh, what do you think about this? Should Carmelo Anthony be allowed to wear the number seven? Uh, um, I mean, I 
in <laughs> there's there are like certain things that I just like that are I know are considered sacred and all that that I just don't I don't care about and like jersey numbers retiring or people wearing like I just it doesn't I just don't care and for people who and I I believe that you're gonna have the opposite take where you don't think you should wear seven I think it should be pointed out that with the season starting in two weeks um, and this happens all the time in sports where there's longer off seasons where guys want to change their number uh, there are a lot of Carmelo Anthony double zero zero jerseys in circulation and I think it's it's one of those things on a lot of other sports uh, cases where whoever the manufacturer is, whether it be Nike or whoever, like they'll be like, cool, you need to go personally and you have to buy up all the stock of the double zero jerseys. And that's that's after if the Blazers were cool with that. Right? There's I think there's many hurdles that would have to be cleared for that. I don't think that's possible that he could get the number seven for this year. Uh, but to the original question, no, I it does not. I don't care. It does not bother me. Oh, that's funny because you, again, uh, just picking stuff off your Twitter, but you had tweeted <laughs> a clip of uh, 60 Minutes uh, footage. I think this is a Pennsylvania Election Commission, uh, a Republican who was talking about the claims of election fraud and how Pennsylvania ran their election. And he's basically saying, like, I don't know why it's a big deal. Like, it shouldn't be a big deal. And the host is like, and yet it yet it is. And the guy's <laughs> like, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think it's a big deal, man. Like, look, I know they haven't yet retired the number. I get that. First of all, I think they should retire it. Second of all, if there's ever been a number in this generation of Blazers players that, you know, should be, if not formally retired, then like informally not really used, I think it's this one. Brandon Roy meant so much to this franchise. I know that he only had three years of like peak, peak, peak prime Brandon Roy. I get that. But meaningfully, he was able to, not single-handedly, but he was the large driver behind a change in culture, a change in how fans connected with this team, right? I mean, you think about how ingrained, how beloved this version of the Blazers are, and so much of that credit goes to Damian Lillard right off the bat and Terry Stotts and CJ McCollum. But the, the, the groundwork for that, getting fans to warm back up to a team that, they weren't as emotionally connected with that started with Brandon Roy. And I don't think that they should allow players to wear number seven. And and look, I also think if you're going to retire it, then do it or don't. Um, I, I think it's kind of, I, I think they should, I normally don't say stuff like this. I think they should come on the record and they should say either we are going to retire it or we are not going to retire it. And it's open because I don't know. I just think it's, it's one of those things, man. So I don't know. I mean, would you have, yeah, I think, yeah, I think one of the issues from, and I think a quick talked about it last year, maybe someone talked about it. I think they want to retire it, but like Roy Brandon Roy, like is still kind of bummed out about what happened with his injury. And, like, he doesn't have a lot of interest in coming down to Portland and hanging out. I, th- I think he's been to one game since he retired. Um, but I do think that part of it is, like, they would love to retire it, but they don't know if he would be cool with coming. Yeah, I know last year that he was talking about coming down for something, but, like, he coaches high school basketball. Like, he's a really successful high school basketball coach. And I remember that he, in, in a podcast, he was talking about, like, yeah, I would maybe come down, but, like, I you know, I coach my guys, and if we have, like, a tournament or something, I won't be able to do it. Um so, yeah, I think that they're bummed out that he is still – I don't think he's, like, anti-Portland. I think it's just for somehow that still – the wound is still fresh for him. Yeah, yeah, I and I totally understand that. Um, 
Yeah, the, his his legacy is complicated and it's rough. Um, I just don't think anyone should wear number seven. Okay, uh, last thing before we go, Evan, you are a really, really talented artist. And I think that anybody oh. who, you know, listens to this podcast or is on Twitter, like already knows that, um, you know, the holidays are here. Uh, I think that there is an opportunity for people to get some dope art from you um, and either keep it for themselves or, or give it away as a gift. I wanted to ask you, I don't think I've ever actually asked you this. What, like, for example, like, and you have all sorts of stuff. You have sports related stuff. You have like pop culture stuff from movies and people like Robin Williams and Muhammad Ali um, and Michael Jordan. But like, I'm checking out this print of uh, Donald Glover. Um, which is just such a beautiful, beautiful print. Uh, oh, thank it, you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. It's like, it's hard to describe. I'm not very, it's like, it's a picture of him and it's in the background. It kind of, it almost looks like an American flag, except for what would be the stars are like bullet holes and what would be the, the red stripes are actually outlines of guns. I, I, I would assume this is an homage to his song. This is America. Um, so, what is the process? How long does it take you to create stuff like this? Um, and like, what kind of setup do you have to, to make all this happen? This, again, because it is beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. So like just a quick background. I started doing stencil spray paint artwork like eight, nine years ago. Uh, I had a buddy back in, in Oregon City where I'm from, which is just south of Portland, um, who did like stencil spray paint art. But he only did like half naked chicks in bikinis and guns with tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes. it, it's, and what he did, he was really good. It was really basic. It was like two or three color he was dealing with, two or three color paint. Um, and I would talk to him about it, and it was really cool. And he wasn't really that into it. From and then when I talked to him, what I understood was that you know he would date these women and be like, hey, like I could do a painting of you, and then it would progress into him doing these paintings of them with stencil spray paint. And uh, I was like, man, it's really cool. You should like branch out and do like sports or pop culture. And he just was not interested. He's like, no, nah, I don't care. Um, so I asked, him, I was like, hey, would you be, would it be cool with you if I tried doing this? Like, I don't want to like be a copycat, not like the naked women stuff, but like in general, the art right. form. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So I started it. Very first painting, which I still have somewhere, is of Brandon Roy. And it's ter it's a terrible painting. It's really bad. Um so I started doing that and then I progressed into, I got better and better. And then the Blazers saw one of my paintings of Dame reached out to me and I did a commission piece that's hanging in their corporate office. It's humongous, like four foot by eight foot of Dame. Um, that helped spark when I was back in Portland, a ton of commission work. So I was doing commission work and then uh, for like four years straight, I was basically only doing commission work. So nothing I wanted to do. It was just take it, three months of working on a painting two to three months of working on a painting outside of the hours of my normal nine to five. And then when one painting would wrap, I would work on, start on the next one. Um, when I moved to new Orleans, uh, the commission game dried up because back in Portland, I had more of like a built-in base of people that knew my work could see my work. But down here, it's people I don't know in new Orleans. It's a tough sell to be like, Hey, do you want to commission me to do a painting for a thousand, 1200 bucks or whatever? Right. So, um, what happened was, and back in Portland, I, one of the biggest uh, things that people would point out to me was they people would come to me and say, "Hey, I love your artwork. A uh, little too expensive. You know, I wish I could pay you what you charge for a commission, but I just can't. But if you ever did poster prints of any of your designs, I could totally like, you know, drop money for a poster print." So 
when I moved to New Orleans, I decided it was time to make an investment. So I bought a nice expensive printer. And um, now I'm printing my designs that I would normally do spray paint on my printer. And uh, a lot of the ones that you're seeing on my site are actually ones that I, every with every process, even with the stencil spray paint, it all starts on the computer for me digitally. And then I would do the stencils and spray paint after. Um, but all the one, mo not all, most of the ones you see on my site are uh, designs that I've made over the years that no one's ever commissioned me to do, but I've, they're just ones where I'm like, man, if I ever got the time, I would love to do this Lady Gaga piece or this Tupac piece. And then I had all of these saved on my computer. And then when I bought the printer, I was like, oh shit, I can now sell these as prints. Like they're done. These are already, I've already made these designs. So, um, you know, of the 30 or however that are up on my site, like 22 of them were already done. Like I just had to like reformat them in the right size and all that and put them up on my website. So yeah, so now um, focusing a lot on selling prints. I want to get back into spray paint um, while I'm down here. I've got a really good setup down here to do it. And I have done painting since I've moved down here, but just not commission pieces. Um, but yeah, so now on my website, evanem.com, E-V-A-N-E-M.com, uh, people go there and check out an array of prints. And how like it, the thing that's dope about this is like you can pick different sizes, right? And so they can be like less than 20 bucks or you can pay more if you want ones that are bigger. If folks were to order this stuff now, like if I were to place an order right now, would it get to sure. people by the holidays? Or I mean, I know that's tough with shipping and all that, but. but. Oh, yeah. No, I ship them. So like if someone like I had orders earlier today. So when I get an order, I print them. Like I said, I print them at my place. They need uh, 24 hours to dry just to make sure everything's set. And then I ship them like the next day. Like I've got a whole dang setup where I print postage from home. I've got like all the shipping material. So like it literally, if you ordered on a Monday, if you ordered on a Monday at noon, it could be shipped Tuesday at 2 p.m. Like out the door. That's rad. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, okay. Uh Hmm. I'm just thinking I, I have this like big list of like all the different people I have to give some kind of a holiday gift for. So yeah, this is uh this is definitely going on the list. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. It's a good one-stop shop for, you know, cause it's, it's such a variety. I've got, you know, looking at now I've got Lady Gaga, Bowie, Notorious B.I.G., uh, Jimi Hendrix, and then Gary Trent Jr., Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Ken Griffey Jr., like Sabrina Ionescu. Like it's a wide wide net of stuff and i've got one i'm working on now that i'm so excited about that i'm hopefully going to drop by christmas it's of a female athlete who's one of my favorite athletes in the world right now and i'm very excited about it nice that's dope um you're gonna say you're doing one of me and i was like heck yeah no <laughs> i'm just i'm scoping this edward scissorhand one too um, love that one yeah sick um, that's another one that i did a long time ago and i'm like I, I was going through my my uh, my computer drive, and I'm like, I forgot I did this. <laughs> I can print this right now. That's rad. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Well, I think that's probably it for now. Um, if people wanted to loop with you on Twitter, or if they did want to pick up any of this dope art, uh, how would they do that? Sure. So Twitter and Instagram are both the same. It's Evanem PDX, which is E V A N E M PDX. And then the website is just evanem.com. Awesome. Cool. Evan, thank you. And I don't use Facebook because everyone, like, log off Facebook. Don't use uh, Facebook. Are you, on, are you on Parler, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Catch me on Parler. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Thank you again to Evan McCarthy. It's always really, really good to catch up with him and have him on the show. Uh, yeah, please check out his site at evanem.com, E-V-A-N-E-M.com to find all of his dope art. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so fun just scrolling through it and yeah, makes good gifts for people or get some stuff for yourself. Uh, but yeah, it's going to do it for us. We'll probably be back again next week, especially as the season's getting closer, getting excited. Uh, I'm probably going to start like doing some predictions game by game. We were going to get to the first game of the season. The Blazers are playing Utah in Portland, um, but we just didn't have time. I'm going to keep track of it to see like how far off I am on these kind of game by game predictions. That should be fun. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check us out some more, you can always go to ilikettheblazers.com or check out I Like the Blazers on pretty much any podcatcher. It's on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Music. I don't even know what they're calling it anymore. Uh, and you can also check us out at I Like the Blazers on Twitter or Facebook. I am Brandon Goldner. I'm at GoldnerPDX on Twitter. Uh, That is it. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate all of you. And until next time, go Blazers. And yeah, hope that your December is treating you well. Okay, bye.